Hello everyone and welcome to another Rosenbridge Community Update and AMA. Uh, this is the first one for the year, so I'm quite excited about this. Uh, please give it about five minutes or so until we get more people in and then we'll get right into it. All right, we got uh, we got a few people in and I think it's a good time for us to to kick off this um, the first space uh, of the year for uh, Rosenbridge Community Updates and AMA. Um, on the mic behind the Zengate Global uh, icon is uh, Theodore, AKA Chef. And uh, we also have with us Joe Arminio from the Rosen team. Um, Joe, how are you doing on a Tuesday morning? It's still morning where you are. I'm doing all right. Just made coffee, so ready to go. Yeah, man, uh, we have we have a lot of things to talk about today. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this. I just want to make sure I'll say this from the get go. Anybody that has any questions at any given time, um, this is uh, going to be an open conversation. So any questions that we might have, uh, by all means, feel free to just request to come up as a speaker and we'll get you up here right away. Um, Joe, do you mind kicking off, um, you know, the conversation by obviously maybe do just a very small introduction just in case people don't know who you are. And at the same time, give us a, an overview of how things started, um, maybe from the fun 10 proposal when we were putting it together all the way to where we are now. Uh, sure. My name is Joseph Arminio, uh, part of the Ergo community, worked with the Ergo Foundation. Um, I've been working with Rosen in terms of the design and implementation of it for, I don't know, two years. Uh, so we kind of have always been interested in this idea of cross-chain liquidity. Uh, I think it's uh, probably one of the more interesting like solutions in the space uh, just because of how it opens markets. Uh, it gives projects access to the user base of an entire blockchain versus going to like a segregated marketplace that has its own distinct set of users that are a little bit siloed. Now, usually it comes with its own kind of requirements. Sometimes that's jurisdictional. Uh, sometimes it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of different potential um, barriers in terms of participation when it comes to that. So it makes markets potentially more universal. Um, bridges don't actually have a very good reputation in the crypto space. I think in 2022, 2023, the total exploits were about 2 billion, 2.2 billion, something like that. And so, you know, in uh, the process of looking at kind of the design and function of bridging, uh, we decided to kind of go our own way instead of uh, integrating with existing solutions. Um, so that led to the Rosen framework. Uh, now, at some point, you know, we met up with Chef uh, and, uh, you know, Dan was a part of that conversation. We were talking about incentives, right? Ultimately, these systems um, are driven by incentive for local hosting infrastructure uh, 
providing is ultimately what makes things distributed. So uh, they were talking about the need in the Cardano ecosystem uh, for additional revenue for SPOs due to uh, the network parameters of Cardano. Um, and I thought, hey, you know, here we have a group of users that are ultimately system service operators. They're online 24-7. Uh, it seems like a nice group to uh, plug in this infrastructure with. Um, Rosen is extended UTXO based in terms of its design and its function, and that's a part of what makes it unique. There are um, multiple solutions in the space. Uh, most of them are EVM based. And so we're trying to kind of create a new paradigm, new framework uh, with different assumptions. Does that cover your question? Thank you. I think you asked me a few of them. <laughs> yes, 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 you did. I just wanted to make sure that you know there was no pause in between in between lines. That's why it took me it took me a while to get to get on that. Um, that's actually very exciting. We we've seen you know we've seen a, a lot more um, activity and participation than we we were really expecting. Right? Um, I remember that you and I had uh, had conversations months ago over 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 six months now um and you know we had this skepticism and uncertainty maybe that you know oh we don't know you know is the cardano community going to you know going to use this are they going to like it so i just wanted to ask you like how things have been from you know from when it was an idea and how things how things are looking right now um we've seen a crazy amount of participation from uh, both Cardano and the Ergo community. There's a lot of anticipation. Um, so please tell me, tell me what's the feeling around this and, and how things are looking now. And maybe give some stats as well. I know, I know people like stats. <laughs> so whenever you're building um, this type of system, you always have to focus first on like the security of the system and kind of the function of design, right? And that, that's its own challenge. Um, in parallel, you have to figure out incentives. Ultimately, these are incentive-based systems. Um, you know, and it's something that in terms of like adoption, uh, you know, how many people love to get on Twitter and, you know, talk shit about their favorite blockchain that, okay, they invested in, right? But then the second question is, how many of them are actually like participating? How many of them are peers in the network? How many of them are running a node uh, versus just holding an asset and then using everybody else's infrastructure um, kind of to exist, right? I'm a big fan of, uh, one thing I like about the Bitcoin community, right, is there's always been a very strong uh, push to, you know, run your own node, right? Be in charge of, your own sovereign funds. And that kind of uh, disappears, you know, uh, in the space. Uh, I would say that's become less and less common over the years um, to where, you know, people will say, well, that's not within the skill set of the normal user, right? And then you get systems, I don't know, I can pick on Solana, like, I don't have fast enough internet to participate. I would have to literally move and find a new location. Um, 
you know, I, I don't have the hardware requirements. Uh, so, you know, having that network level participation is always an open question and it's becoming more of a common trend, I guess, that people, you know, use other people's infrastructure and in a way, you know, they are not quite as resilient as I would hope uh, for this type of system. Uh, so when we were designing Rosen, uh, my hope was that when we got to the point where we are today, we would have 30 watchers, right, and on each bridge instance. And, you know, we, we always knew that we had like a cap overhead, and that's just based on um, the current design and box space, right? Uh, so we actually hit that threshold way sooner than I thought, which is awesome. Um, we had a lot of people in the community, uh, even still are continuously educating each other in terms of system service operation, uh, installation, maintenance, uh, all of that great stuff. And that's been amazing to see. Uh, that's probably like the part I'm happiest about, but it also created a bottleneck for our team. We can, um, ex you know, abstract the uh, data across multiple boxes and then, you know, uh, breach that threshold that we currently have uh, that's currently being built and tested. Um, so eventually the watcher set will be open to expand, but it's always going to be based on economic activity, right? Um, that's going to probably adapt in time. Uh, there are always like external factors we have to look at in terms of like economic participation. And then we're built on Ergo. Uh, one uni unique thing about Ergo is miners have the ability to potentially adjust fees, which may affect kind of the profitability. So, you know, these types of systems have to adjust as things change. Uh, but I'm really excited to see where we are today. Uh, you know, our last update, we had two uh, dog coins that uh, kind of we used in the testing phases when, you know, the bridge was in previous iterations. It wasn't quite, you know, as stable as it is today. And it also wasn't distributed across multiple parties in that type of testing, right? It was a, it was a much uh, more compact test. So uh, we decided to support Hosky and uh, Comet for uh, their participation um, in previous iterations. And, you know, right now we're going to go through a period of uh, continual improvement and then we're going to uh, start opening Rosen to uh, the potential to support other assets. And that's probably going to be our next um, iterative phase. Thanks for the thanks for the rundown, uh, Joe. Um, you know, especially in the very beginning, we well even now um, that the the toolkit is almost out. We were talking about how can we, you know, bring a new stream of income for the stake pool operators. Um, do you want to touch on a little bit on this and you know again where we were and where we are now? Sure. So um, you know. It, the watcher set is not limited to the stake pool operators, but being that, uh, well, most of them do a pretty good job of uh, system service, you know, maintenance, uh, you know, their uptimes are great. Um, that's a valuable group to work with, right? I've uh, 
enjoyed you know a lot of the participation we've seen from the cardano community especially being that uh we're kind of an open source project and everybody can communicate and pitch ideas and build on top of or around rosin right um whenever you have that type of local infrastructure uh, that comes with a certain cost right and then there's the question of how can you kind of maximize the work that you do from that local space what you contribute to and um, whether you can create revenue uh, based on that type of work. And so we wanted to open up an alternative income stream uh, for people that are interested in local hosting infrastructure, right? That's ultimately what makes these type of systems uh, resilient uh, is kind of the uh, collective local distribution of uh, software. So it's pretty awesome to see um, the Cardano community showing up to support that. And and right now we see that, you know, Rosen connects, obviously Cardano and Ergo together. That's, you know, two EUTXO blockchains. Um, obviously, you know, it, it's a totally different game than talking about EVM, right? Now, I just want to touch a little bit on the Fund 11 proposal that we've submitted, and we really think that this is going to propel the growth of both Cardano and Ergo ecosystems getting into EVM liquidity. Do you want to touch on a little bit on this uh, or actually expand on that? Because I know you have a lot of experience uh, with uh, listing fees, uh, centralized exchanges uh, and whatnot. So please give us um, give us the rundown on this. And what is it going to happen? What should the Cardano community expect? And I think one of the most important questions that people ask is what's the ROI? Why, why should I care? <laughs> sure, those are all good questions. Um, well, the first thing to uh, look at, you know, is the cost of access. It's something I talk about a lot. Uh, you know, as uh, an ecosystem, you know, Cardano is not exactly, I don't know, broadly loved. <laughs> It seems like the, there's always a lot of people out there that are kind of, I don't know, they have a different economic incentive. Let's just call it that at the end of the day. Um, and so that creates its own barrier, right? Uh, I actually technically now represent a token on uh, the Cardano ecosystem, and that would be uh, RSRSN, which is like the Raptor Rosen token. And so the first thing I did when that showed up is I, you know, reached out to different exchange contacts and said, hey, you know, I now, you know, have this. I represent the Cardano ecosystem. And what's what's the cost uh, for, you know, supporting listing, uh, you know, Cardano native assets on your exchange? And not so much to my surprise, sadly. Um, I got the same price sheets for the most part that uh, I got when, you know, this, I was talking to them about supporting a network, right? And Touch on that a little bit, Joe, because I think people need to understand what's the difference there. Okay, so the difference is if you're going to support a network, you have to actually integrate the node into uh, the internal exchange infrastructure. Um, you know, you have to build some custom scanners. You have to connect it to uh, the database that's going to be uh, running the accounts and the trade engine that's running internally on their server. There's actually a fair bit of engineering work there, right? Uh, when you're talking about integrating a native asset, you're talking about scanning for an additional token ID, right? That's something that uh, the actual overhead, um, 
is is really not that <laughs> substantial, right? So from like a service perspective, uh, you know, having the same entry costs and looking at the actual workload is a little bit insane. I don't know how else to put it. Um, but what that tells me is that for all projects uh, that are going to be integrating um, from Cardano into uh, external exchanges are going to be hit with a lot of friction, right? And let's just say that, you know, you want to list in a mid-tier exchange and I'll throw out $100,000, right? That's not unrealistic, sometimes higher, sometimes lower. Um, so a project is going to pull a hundred grand out of their budget uh, in order to uh, get some infrastructure support, maybe some exposure to uh, stable coin. I would say at that entry point, you're probably not going to get fiat bank rails, uh, maybe in smaller exchanges, that could be the case. But uh, for the most part, I would say probably not. Um, you know, and then you can say, okay, well, that's one mid-tier exchange, right? $100,000 can pay, you know, solid developer for quite a while. Um, that could be invested differently. Um, and so what happens is if you extrapolate that across, let's just say the top 10 projects, you're talking a million dollars pulled out of development in the Cardano ecosystem, right? Uh, if you extrapolate that, um, let's say to multiple exchanges, you know, you may be getting to the point where you're talking about $50 million of developer funds that could potentially be used to build cool shit and uh, build Cardano and, you know, kind of create a stronger, more uh, unified, uh, you know, framework across, you know, multiple tools in the ecosystem. And instead, you know, you're, you're paying a centralized party that may or may not uh, respect the custody of those assets, may or may not trade against you and your community. Um, and so, like, there's a certain value proposition there that I would say is questionable. Um, you know, and, and so for the health and viability long term of uh, kind of the crypto ecosystem as a whole, alternative means of um, liquidity transfer are needed, right? So, uh, Rosen is kind of a ergocentric attempt to uh, provide that tooling to multiple ecosystems because, you know, some of the favorite people, my favorite people in the crypto space are actually indie developers. You know, they're usually small, they operate in small teams, they have great ideas and they push good products, right? And if you're talking about um, putting additional barriers and friction in terms of their growth, uh, sometimes that creates its own uh, difficulty that prevents good ideas from winning and kind of puts the industry uh, in a position where it's usually, you know, who's partnered with a company or a fund that can pay for these expenses, right? And then ultimately, you know, I'd say on the extreme side, we get into like the Ponzi-nomic side of crypto where, uh, you know, you get a lot of massive insider sales and then you get uh, listings everywhere and then you get exit liquidity and it doesn't really advance the technology that's what i'm here for so um i hope that long term uh rosen is something that can empower small to mid-sized teams that don't really want to deal with um some of the you know additional friction that this space can bring and can just deliver good products
Thank you, Joe. Um, I have a couple more questions. I start seeing some questions uh, popping up uh, on the comment section as well. Um, I will definitely make sure I'll I'll get on them um, right away. But I just wanted to again, once again, invite everybody. This is an open space. It's an AMA. We want your questions. We want your feedback. Um, so please, by all means, feel free to come up whenever you you feel that uh, you would like to ask something. Um, I know, Joe, you kind of mentioned, well, we all know that Comet and Hosky um, are going to be the first tokens, um, you know, except uh, RSERG and RS uh, ADA that are going to be traded on Rosen. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and also, you know, expand on that and touch on the Fund 11 proposal as well? how other projects are going to be able to do that you know for example you know can we see when are we going to be able to see the indigos or the wmts or the palms or you know whatever the case might be and what will that do for the cardano community and ecosystem as a whole and ergo of course because you talked about listing fees and obviously when that happens it happens because we want to provide liquidity to centralized exchanges yada 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 but you pay a big fee and then that goes into somebody else's wallet and most likely it's a centralized wallet and that in the end of the day doesn't really do much for the ecosystem or for the project specific projects ecosystem so can you walk us through you know how that process will help um the cardano community and our ecosystem as a whole um yeah i'll leave it there Sure. I think that in many cases, um, there's no need to reinvent the wheel, right? And so I, I think there are some things that um, exchanges do that are, you know, interesting or, uh, let's say, valuable, right? Um, I would say one thing that they uh, tend to do is uh, have marketing campaigns, which is great for kind of growing uh, awareness and growing community. Uh, that's something that you know, I think that over time Rosen can definitely um, provide. And personally, I would love to see incentives that allow peers to um, provide that service, right? Um, I would also say that, you know, you can look at like airdrop functionality is a common marketing scheme when it comes to um, listing on exchanges. That's something Rosen can support um, in terms of like the actual business side. I think profit distribution is powerful. Um, you know, I, I would say that most exchanges will have uh, these critters that are called listing agents. And basically what they do is they uh, go out and they kind of offer the price sheets for a variety of services. If they land a contract, they get paid on commission, right? Uh, usually the fees are five to 15% um, of listing costs will go in that person's pocket. Um, you know, and I think that they're, definitely could be some uh, use or incentive there for uh, people to kind of onboard and assist uh, with kind of the growth of Rosen and create incentives around that. Uh, it seems to work. So I think that's definitely something we could potentially build and people could, you know, uh, provide additional goods and services. Um, you know, in, in my opinion, it's quite important to create those incentives to create its own uh, kind of peer-to-peer -peer economy, right? And so I would love to see additional uh, services spring up in and around Rosen that are 
incentivized. Now, for, from a project perspective, right? Um, I've always uh, liked this idea that you scale with uh, what you support. So, you know, if um, we are able to onboard, uh, let's say, Palm, I'll use a token from Zengate, right? Um, you know, early, yeah, you're going to get access to Ergo, which is its own, uh, let's say, smart economy that allows you to um, integrate across multiple financial applications. And as that side of uh, Rosen scales, you'll, it'll expand as Rosen expands. So eventually that would be able to move into um, Ethereum, other EVM environments, uh, you know, other uh, blockchains with smart contract capabilities. And as we s expand uh, towards more commodity-based proof-of-work um, blockchains, we open up ecosystems to new collateral. And that's powerful too. Uh, there's a lot of uh, lending or um, other decentralized financial applications that benefit from quality collateral. And so opening an ecosystem, not just to market access, but also to be able to import um, collateral is a pretty good growth proposition long-term. Now, um, that's something that uh, will scale as Rosen scales, right? So, uh, you know, you can look at how most exchanges uh, charge. It's usually a trade secret, right? Most of the time I get hit with an NDA as soon as I open that conversation and never look at a contract. Um, I don't like doing business like that. I would rather have it public on chain and uh, open to everybody, right? That way everybody knows the assumptions of projects that are listing. They know the costs, um, you know, and that also will, in my opinion, allow for, you know, market feedback and uh, for Rosen to remain competitive, right? Uh, it's it's a powerful thing in a way. Like, you can say, okay, well, this exchange has this many siloed users, right? Uh, when you can put assets on chain, you get two things that are pretty awesome, in my opinion. Uh, the first is you open up the user base to anybody that participates uh, in that network, right? So you get global access um, instead of a siloed access. And the second actually has to do with like market data and reliable statistics. And, and let me break that down for you, okay? So if I trade on Cardano and I'm interacting with a uh, decentralized exchange, the transaction cost is on chain for every uh, you know, move that I make, right? So that friction um, is present and I can assume that because people are paying for block space, they're paying to trade, uh, it's more real, right? When you get into the uh, exchange like infrastructure in terms of how it's designed, you're trading within a wallet on basically a spreadsheet, right? And it's on database. And so the ability to move an asset from one account to the, another doesn't come with associated on-chain costs. And it opens up an attack vector where I can just move money back and forth between a few accounts at, you know, whatever the make or taker rate is, which could be zero. Um, and 
you know, I can artificially generate statistics that make things look sexy, right? So I do think that if you look at uh, one of the larger benefits of on-chain um, economic activity is you have a much greater assumption that it's real because it comes at a cost, right? Uh, when you're talking about something that can be done in an artificially cheap environment and people aren't paying for block space, that's an attack vector. I can't say that a lot of the uh, volume numbers in the crypto space are even real because um, people are not necessarily paying to transact. And do you also want to touch base a little bit on the one-to-one -one boxes and how Roseman is different in that sense? Sure. Um, well, most, most bridges are going to be designed that way, but it's important to understand the value of clear collateral uh, versus this ability to rehypothecate assets, right? And so it's so common in our like modern, postmodern financial system uh, that people don't even realize, you know, you go to a bank with $100, right? You say, hey, here's my $100 deposit, and you leave, right? And usually what will happen is that $100 will uh, be invested somewhere, right? So there's a certain amount of risk in your money, <laughs> um, you know, depending on, like, where the bank decides to invest it and what their balance sheet looks like and particularly how many people are going to be withdrawing assets from that bank. They may or may not have the uh, collateral on hand in terms of cash or money in, uh, uh, let's say, their accounts to cover withdrawals, right? That sounds uh, familiar. Yeah, that sounds familiar. We just saw that with like uh, Silicon Valley Bank, right? So there's no firewall between like holding um, collateral and assets and uh, kind of this idea of leverage and risk seeking, right? And that's kind of dangerous. Um, I guess uh, the best example we've seen lately in the crypto space uh, was FTX, right? Everybody put their, um, let's say, assets into this crypto bank and there was no firewall. In fact, there was a back door, right? There was extreme uh, leverage and risks being taken with customer assets. Uh, and ultimately, you know, it hit a point where they couldn't cover withdrawals, right? And it's impossible to actually see if that's happening or not. Um, you know, there's certainly a financial incentive to do that. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's a black box. And I can't ever defend a black box because I can't see inside of it, right? Um, so, you know, I have no idea if uh, the liabilities that, you know, exchanges are, you know, inheriting based on their products and their internal trading and how they're um, counterbalancing leverage, uh, you know, is in alignment. I, it's hard to say, like, if I offered a product that said, okay, I'm going to offer 100 times leverage, right? How am I going to cover the other side of that trade if it blows up? Uh, I don't exactly know how exchanges are uh, necessarily doing that, right? They're either, um, you know, selling that to someone else that's going to take the other side of that trade or they're um, 
carrying it internally, right? And there's some crazy leverage in the crypto space. And so, you know, it's a question in terms of like a financial product. How do they manage that? I don't know. I can't see. Um, but certainly uh, that's, you know, that's, that's pretty volatile uh, position to try to hedge. Um, so it's one of those things you got to uh, understand your risks. Um, you know, I know that there has been some push in the crypto space to say, hey, look, we have proof of reserves, right? But that doesn't necessarily indicate proof of liabilities. And uh, I think that that's, you know, at least a nice little step forward, but it's not the whole picture. And ultimately, um, that type of transparency, having the full picture to make sure that customers' funds are adequately backed is critical to the trust and long-term well-being of uh, any type of financial institution or infrastructure. Thank you, Joe. Oh, damn, that's, that's a lot of information to take in. Uh, thank you so much for, for all that. I'm, I'm really hoping that, you know, we're answering people's questions um, and, and whatnot that they might have in, in, their, uh, in their head. Um, with that being said, I just want to ask one last question that I have, and then I will get into the comment section, which I've seen there's, it's getting populated with questions, which I really, really like. And once again, I'm just inviting everyone that has a question, feel free to just come up as a speaker, request to request uh, come up as speaker and we'll bring you up here. If you have a question to us, to Joe or myself or anything else that you would like to mention to us around Rosen. Um, Joe, last question, and then I'm hitting comments. What's the difference between Rosen and why, you know, why not use the bridges that we already have uh, existing right now? For example, one chain, I've seen that question coming up on Twitter a few times, or Milcometa even. Um, they have EVM comp compatibility, so why not um, use them and why should people vote? for our Fund11 proposal for the EVM um, connection through Rosen? Oh, uh, well, that's pretty simple. I, I'm a fan of multiple solutions, right? Um, you know, you can look at uh, bridge designs and, yeah, there, there are uh, alternative EVM-based bridges. Um, you know, I, I can't really break down the assumptions because I, you know, uh, well, didn't help build them. I have no idea what the uh, points of failure are, what the kind of distribution is of, uh, let's say, the uh, infrastructure behind it. But I'm a big fan of alternative solutions. I'm a big fan of atomic swaps, right? You could ask, well, why wouldn't we do atomic swaps? You know, we have a project on Ergo uh, that's working with, you know, atomic swaps with uh, EVM at the moment, right? And, and I'm a big fan of that. It's an alternative, right? Uh, probably the uh, main difference would just be the design and function of it. Uh, Rosen is an extended UTXO-centric framework, right? Uh, it goes through a series of on and off-chain operations uh, in order to function. Uh, it also has some nice properties in terms of like uh, being a multi-layered system that uh, creates incentives for people to participate. Now, you know, it, it's interesting. I've I've always looked at a bridge from more a project perspective and saying, okay, well, 
um, it allows projects to bring liquidity to users, right? Um, there is a use case for users to use Bridge perhaps to arbitrage or seek uh, lower pricing. But I would say for most end users, um, they'll probably end up, you know, uh, interacting with wrapped assets without using the bridge. Now, you know, I would say for best assumptions, it's probably always a wise idea to unwrap things. But, um, you know, if the bridge is secure, you can see on chain um, that assets are backed one to one and everything is redundantly audited anytime something moves. I think we're in a at least a decent uh, place in terms of offering uh, good assumptions where small users can feel safe, you know, trading or holding um, wrapped assets. We actually already have some people, uh, even from the Ergo community, that are like, hey, I, you know, enjoy some of the hardware wallet infrastructure on Cardano. So, you know, I moved my Ergo to Cardano just for my own, um, you know, let's say, uh, feeling safer, right? And that that's that's great. But you know, it is true that whenever you add like additional complexity, you have to um, inherit some additional assumptions that you're taking in terms of security. Thank you, Joe, for all the all the amazing answers that you're giving us. Uh, I'm just going to go to the comment section now. I I've already seen quite a few comments, so I'm just going to go with uh, Clover. Clover's question, when are you planning to add more than 77 waters? Uh, what's the timeline on this? And the question is more specifically to the Ergo side, but you can touch on both. Sure, so right now we need to um, abstract watchers across multiple boxes. That's an ongoing uh, engineering project at the moment. Whenever we have that type of thing in development, I hate giving timelines because, well, it, you know, the bottom line is testing it needs to be adequate, right? We need to make sure that what we're building um, it works, intends its functions, doesn't have any weird edge cases or anything. So I guess my standard answer is two weeks, which, you know, is not really any indication of time. It's more of an indication. I don't know the answer, so I can't, you know, give you anything that's uh, accurate. I can say it's ongoing. We'll test it. Uh, we'll go through... Uh, proper, you know, iterations in terms of uh, quality management. And then when that's ready to push, we will, uh, you know, do some updates, right? Um, but at, at this point, it is a solution that we uh, have in terms of like the design is just under construction. And the fun thing, just because I know a little bit more on this, the fun thing is that there was a solution in place just in case, uh, you know, we needed to expand this. Um, and we already had to put that uh, solution in place and we already got the capacity full. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that can be the difficult thing about, you know, scaling is it can be unpredictable. Um, it's something that we launched, we were aware of it. We already had like the plan in paper, hey, as soon as things are a little bit more stable, then that's going to be one of our um, updates. But uh, we reached that point sooner than expected. So, you know, we had to re we have to reshuffle resources a little bit and, uh, you know, prepare for scaling, which is awesome. Um, you know, it's a good problem to have, I guess. 
Thanks, Joe. Uh, Cal, hopefully that will answer your question. Thank you so much um, for your question <laughs> and for joining the space. I hope you're having a good uh, morning so far. Um, just going to the next question. Uh, ta -ta 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 -ta. Is the bridge smooth running now from Cryptheart? Yeah, the, the bridge is still... Uh it's live we're still in what we call the rose and light phase right and whenever you have uh a network that you in essence lose control of right and and what i mean by that is like uh you know I, i'm no longer the guy <laughs> well, you know I, there was a point in time when rosen was more in house um where like i had uh, more oversight and control and could you know uh kind of change things at will. I'm no longer in control, right? Uh, that's been distributed beyond me, which is uh, awesome to see, right? But it also, um, you know, it, it creates challenges that we need to continuously adapt to in terms of uh, making sure the software runs smoothly. You know, getting data right now is probably the most valuable process in Rosenlight. That way we can uh, consider adjusting some parameters to um, improve the system's performance. Now, it's important to understand um, that Rosen is not designed to be fast, right? Uh, that was never uh, part of our uh, goal, right? And I know that everybody uh, tends to love speed, but, uh, you know, for the sake and function of, of what Rosen is designed to do, which is essentially be like a cross-chain bank that, you know, holds assets and collateral one-to-one, -one. Uh, the security assumptions are ultimately the most important. And one thing that many people um, don't really recognize about blockchains is each system has its own notion of uh, settlement, right? So. You know, you can get into a situation in some systems where, you know, the chain forks and, you know, ultimately one becomes dominant, right? Uh, and, and that actually moving things slower uh, offers better uh, assumptions in terms of, like, the actual height of the chain and whether that transaction is going to uh, settle or perhaps there's a competing chain out there that could, um, you know, reverse something, right? And that's something that we had to design for. Uh, we had to look at that type of uh, vector in these systems. Um, and it's different from uh, chain to chain, right? You know, in proof of work, finality is probabilistic and it's based on the amount of energy that's added after a block, right? Um, in proof of stake, you have different assumptions in terms of finality, but, uh, you know, I don't know what the longest, uh, let's say, rollback or uh, fork has been on Cardano in terms of block time. Somebody will know. I just uh, didn't really design that parameter in the system. So that's a question for another Rosen team member. Um, but that is something that, you know, we have to be aware of that, you know, if we're supporting a chain that is attacked uh, or forks, um, you know, that time parameter is really valuable plus having multiple people checking and reporting on a chain at different block heights uh, 
uh, is kind of a safety mechanism that uh, over time I believe will uh, protect users, right? I know that there's a lot of systems that are designed for speed uh, where, you know, you want to uh, move assets as quickly as possible. Uh, but when you take finality into account, you know, that may or may not be a good idea. Thanks for your answer, Joe. And just to do a follow-up uh, on on that, on what you just said, you said that, you know, it's not just, you know, it, the decisions are not yours anymore. So can you just talk a, a little bit about that, just touch on the, how is the federated system going to work? How are, um, you know, how are we going to be able to see, you know, parameter changes, for example, and stuff like that? Sure. So, you know, long term, uh, you know, that's a management question, right? And I think that the best solution that I've seen um, to service that is going to be Paideia on Ergo, which is a DAO framework that's uh, it's still under development. It's something that we've actively been participating with uh, in terms of testing. I know that uh, they're spinning up the Sigmanauts DAO, which is going to be kind of the first, um, you know, on-chain voting mechanism, then you can get treasury management and a lot of oversight tools that are just missing when it comes to project management, right? It would be really cool to um, shift, you know, how projects are run away from kind of this DAO that still has a lot of trust assumptions. Um, you know, I, sometimes I make the joke that, you know, a DAO is like discord arguments online where there's not necessarily um, real power to enforce change. Uh, sometimes you get like politics and community stuff and, uh, you know, it's just better for long term management, not only of uh, kind of development support, but also fund management. Right. Um, so I, I do believe that. Uh, that toolkit is going to be, you know, super valuable long-term in terms of management of Rosen. Um, you know, I definitely believe there needs to be a continual uh, conversation, feedback, monitoring between uh, the two layers of the system, watchers and guards. Um, and I also um, think that sometimes great ideas just come from community. So we need a mechanism to... Um, be able to hear, interact, and respond to, you know, concerns or good ideas that come about. Thank you, Joe. Uh, I'm just going to do, again, one more last call. Um, in case somebody would like to come up and ask questions, we're going to be hitting our one-hour mark uh, in a few minutes. But I do have a few more questions in the comment section that I would like to go over. Um, Jose Costa. What can be done to accelerate Rosenbridge to ETH? What is being done to fund more the Rosenbridge team? Um, oof, that's always a hard question. Like, yeah. <laughs> this, well, this, this is why it's a hard question, okay? Like, from my perspective, it's much more important to build something right <laughs> than it is to build something quickly. And so... Uh, you know, sometimes there's a lot of pressure in terms of delivery, right? The win, 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 win. 
And uh, I understand that. It's, it's going to be a big evolutionary step for um, Rosen as a whole. It's going to open up a lot of interesting uh, potential use cases and futures for a lot of different things. But uh, the f most important aspect of that is that it works and it works well as intended. So I generally shy away from uh, timeline questions. Uh, it's something that, you know, we currently um, are uh, kind of in the R&D phase of. Uh, in terms of delivery at this point, I'm not going to give a date because I don't know. And I'd rather not lie to you. But uh, what I can say is that when it's delivered, uh, it'll be adequately tested. Uh, we're going to definitely have that audited because sometimes EVM can be its own minefield. Uh, so uh, I, I would just leave it at that. Thank you, Joe. And just so if, if I can just do a, a little bit of a follow up on that. Um, we just put, a, in terms of EVM, um, we put a proposal for Fund 11 on Project Catalyst. And we would definitely appreciate it if we were to get your um, support uh, on this. Um, so that would be the easiest way if you would like to support, uh, especially the EVM um, connection to, from the Cardano Energo to EVM. Um, so please, by all means, feel free to just go there and uh, check the proposal out. Um, if 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 we get uh, voted from the Cardano community, uh, I believe the timeline should be around six months. Um, with uh, with the uh, you know with the timelines and everything and the milestones that we've put down. Um, and if we're not going to be voted, uh, obviously it will take a lot longer than that. Um, so hopefully that can answer uh, your question. And please let me know if you have a follow-up on that. I'm just going to go over the next question that we have in the comments. And that, yeah, there's, there is a two-part question from Max Mining. And I think that's the last one from the comments. Um, so when it comes to liquidity, what are your thoughts on how and why that will grow or not grow. Bridging without DEX liquidity currently feels very limited for users. Maybe projects are more of a focus and it's less, less relevant for building. And I'm going to stop over here because I already said a lot. Sure. Well, I mean, ultimately, the incentive for providing liquidity is a return, right? And so then that depends on what uh, market rates are set in terms of uh, fees, slippage, etc., um, across uh, DEXs. Now, yeah, the, I do think that there is a larger use case for projects um, in terms of, you know, being the initial liquidity providers for uh, cross-chain exchanges. But there's liquidity um, provisions that are required if you list on a centralized exchange anyway, right? The only difference is you eliminate... Um, the need to carry a market maker. So most central exchanges will have requirements in terms of trading volume, real or not. Um, you know, I don't know exactly know how you can like enforce that standard in any real way, but you need to have so much trading uh, volume uh, per day in order to uh, maintain 
um, a listing. Otherwise, you can be subject to a penalty or even uh, delisting. And so that offloads an additional carry cost from projects, uh, puts liquidity on chain. And as I was saying earlier, one benefit to having that type of uh, financial activity on chain is you can assume that it's accurate because people are paying for transactions. Um, now, from a user perspective, will some users want to uh, take the risk-reward scenario of providing liquidity in different applications? That's not necessarily something I control. Uh, it depends what the incentives are, what the rates are. Sometimes there's like farming bonuses or some incentive that different protocols use to attract liquidity. Um, that's just something I would recommend people understand the risk assumptions involved and, you know, trade well. Thanks, Joe. I'm just going to go with the follow-up question that Max uh, Mining has. Are water updates going to be required for every token? Is there a plan for batching token updates? Yeah, we can do uh, either one. Uh, I do think that there's some benefit to uh, batching token updates. Now, it depends. And, and I'll break this down comparing it to uh, existing services, right? Most of the time, uh, if you look at like an, a centralized exchange, what they will do is they will have a period where they list the token and then they kind of focus their internal marketing machine around that new listing, right? And so let's say I list in exchange A, you know, I may have a week where the focus of their articles, their AMA, their socials are around, hey, this new listing, and they use that to try to attract liquidity, obviously. Uh, so there may be some benefit to not reinventing the wheel there and uh, putting like services in place to where if somebody lists with Rosen, you know, we um, kind of amplify the uh, public awareness of that project. Um, in which case it, you know, might need to be more of a single update in terms of a new supported asset. Is it possible to batch them? Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, then the question is, you know, would that generate kind of a scenario where you create too much noise and then you can't really hear or see one new thing? Um, that's something that we should talk about as a community. I think that type of like governance decision uh, is best left to the collective versus just me. Uh, there are benefits to both. One of them is a little bit easier for the infrastructure providers. One of them is probably better for projects. A lot of the times we will find ourselves in a position where you have multiple choices with trade-offs. And then, um, you know, that's where, I guess, intelligence, discussion, debate, feedback uh, is beneficial. Thank you, Joe. And I have one last question I'd like to you because I'm a little bit blind. Uh, Love Ada actually has a question. And that's the last one that we have in the comments. Are there plans to work or partner with the Iagon team? Uh, it's an interesting project. Um, you know, I, ha I honestly have been swamped to where a lot of the times I am not up to date. So a lot of the times if I speak about something that I really 
am not up to date about. It creates problems. Um, let's see. I'll just leave it at that. I think it's an interesting project. Uh, definitely that type of um, like hardware uh, that is distributed has a lot of potential use. Uh, then it's a matter of saying, okay, well, as like one application, uh, you know, how could that support us? Um, and then ultimately the projects that we're uh, going to be working with in the future, what kind of service uh, does that provide? But um, I would need to, you know, update myself, talk to the team, et cetera, et cetera. And, and just to add that, maybe, maybe one small thing there. Um, is it's totally up to the uh, Igon team if if they would like that definitely get in touch with with uh, Joe and and the team but and at the same time though just to be uh super you know honest i remember in i don't know maybe the very first space that we that we did around Rosen and i think that was probably even be before um the fun 10 proposal gets um you know, voted on, but they did express their interest. Uh, I do remember that. Um, so I just want to, you know, put that out there that they've already, you know, said something about it. Obviously, it's been it's been a while since um, since that comment happened. But yeah, like I would assume that you know all projects or you know most of the projects would you know would benefit from from working with uh, with Rosen at some point anyway. Um, and, and one thing that's important to point out is that when something is open source, right, um, you don't need my permission. Uh, if you want to build something on Ergo, you don't need my permission. Uh, if you want to build something on top of Rosen or around Rosen, um, you know, there's a lot of potential there. Uh, so I, I think that um, that also kind of needs to be a, a consideration in terms of uh, like partnerships is, you know, I like to be honest, I hope long term that we do see like watchers collaborating and, you know, maybe they can build uh, market making services where, you know, they recoup a portion of the fee based on their watcher revenue or their own business around the Rosen framework. And I hope that that springs up without meeting me needing to be involved. Right. It just has, uh, its own incentive and uh, it's built well. And maybe we can touch on the Cardano guard set. Joe, do you want to maybe, you know, when that time comes anyway? Yeah, we're ultimately our goal has always been to scale um, the base level of uh, consensus and Rosen across multiple ecosystems. Um, I would say that is uh, something that we need to do as we scale. Uh, it's currently been like a internal discussion, but uh, I think that ultimately pushing that to a public uh, forum um, is going to be a necessary step. And I, and I do hope that we have the uh, DAO tool set um, that can give a lot of uh, transparency there. Uh, I think that ultimately like long term, um, that set needs to be somewhat fungible in a way where, you know, if a guard wants to leave, they have the ability to um, use the open markets to uh, shift positions. I do think that we need to grow that set right now. Um, the base assumption is uh, 
you know, we have 10 guards and, you know, Rosen was designed and tested to scale uh, up to as many as 30. And that would be a pretty uh, hefty um, set to exploit. Thanks, Joe. There's more questions coming on the comment section. <laughs> well, there is no question. I have one here that's not a question. It's more of a statement, I guess. Uh, Ethereum, that comes from CryptHeart again. Ethereum is the headquarters of liquidity in crypto markets. So I believe once Rosenbridge is to Ethereum, liquidity will flow. And I just want to say, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, you wanna you wanna comment on that? Yeah, you know, a lot of the times, if you look at bridges in the crypto space, they actually are dominated by very few parties holding liquidity. Um, you know, it's oftentimes it's used as like a market making uh, operation. Um, so, our hope is that you know, as projects scale across Rosen. Um, liquidity becomes distributed across projects, right? And then the larger question, uh, I guess, on like an application or ecosystem level um, becomes what are the incentives for liquidity to uh, flow to Cardano or to flow to Ergo? And, you know, what are the uh, incentives there that are going to ultimately attract that? So that's uh, something that Rosen itself can't necessarily solve. That has to be solved by um, various applications uh, in an ecosystem, right? You have competing DEXs on Cardano. Uh, you know, you could ask the question, why does liquidity, you know, go to one versus the other? Um, that's, that's something that is kind of an open competition. And so I would hope that as uh, Rosen comes online, not only does it allow uh, users to uh, move assets to multiple ecosystems, but you know it allows them to take advantage of the incentives that exist in multiple ecosystems, whether that's privacy or um, transaction cost or rewards. Um, you know, it can be a variety of use cases for different users. Cool. Thank you so much, Joe. Great questions. Great answers, uh, a lot of information. Once again, uh, coming up from, from Arminio, we really appreciate um, everyone's time and participation. Um, we're going to be doing more uh, spaces and AMAs, uh, most likely expect one the next week or two. Um, we're definitely gonna have more updates and things to talk about. Uh, Comet and Hosky are going to be traded or are they already being traded? Um, They've been moving across the bridge, so I would assume. What? Yeah, I'll be I'll be totally honest with you. Uh, when it comes to the meme coins, I've always said I would rather go to casino because, well, the drinks are free. Uh, but, um, yeah, people are you know people are moving them around, so that's awesome to see. Uh, so I kind of have to thank Hosky and uh, the comic community for uh, their support. Um, you know, where's the liquidity going? What is the incentive? I have no idea. Uh, usually if I end up with any meme coin, it's because somebody sent it to me in the tip bot and then I just dump it on somebody else. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Um, just any, any final thoughts, Joe, before we, before we conclude our space, anything you would like to share with the community? 
Yeah, I, I would just like to say, you know, everybody out there that's supported Rosen and, you know, running watchers, supporting uh, kind of the system service operation, helping other uh, watchers onboard and improve uh, their instance or update. Uh, thank you. That's awesome to see. You know, ultimately, if you look at this type of network, it's the system service operators that uh, keep it up and uh, that's really valuable. So I appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. And just from my end, um, just to conclude the space with my final thoughts, it's been a long journey. <laughs> uh, we've had a crazy amount of participation from both the Ergo and Cardano community. And like we said in the beginning of the space, we were not really ex expecting to have this much of participation. So we really want to thank everyone for your feedback, for your you know continuous questions that keep coming. And in the end of the day, make us all be better. So thanks again for joining us. Um, and we're gonna talk uh, to everyone very, very soon with, uh, with another Rosenbridge community update and AMA that should be coming in the next couple of weeks. Thanks again, everyone. I hope you have a good, good rest of your day and your week. And anything you need, our socials and DMs, Discord, Telegrams are always open. By all means, feel free to pop by if you have any more questions that will come out uh, later in the day or in the week. Cheers, everyone. Have a good rest of your day.